Trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. If you're feeling down and no one's there to actually talk to, there is someone to talk to. Call the suicide prevention hotline anytime. This will pass. Please know that many of us have survived these thoughts. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, day or night. There's a friendly person there that can remind you to value the life you have and that this too shall pass. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255 or search online National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Cults, coercion, and sexuality in society. These are the topics for the Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tease, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of Frankie Files Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Tease. Today, we're going to talk about fatalism and sidestepping apocalypticism. It's harder than you think in today's capitalist society. And yes, this is from a cult kid advantage. This is Second Tuesday, and we usually do discuss sexuality. This ties in to that because, trigger warning, a lot of us who have sex abuse in our youth, there's a large demographic of suicide. And it's incredibly sad. But when you think about the mentality, that's what we're going to get into today. And we can do something about this. In a 2002 interview to Transcendental Media via YouTube, Robert J. Lifton says that after 9-11, we as a country have a higher death anxiety. And during his interview, he personally was still in the experience. That was in 2002. That his vulnerability, as well as society's, was way up because of 9-11. Death and the unknown is looming. In his own words, he said, the events of 9-11 seem to be continuing. We don't have any faith that there will not be more terrorist attacks. Quote, I feel that my own ideas about larger human connectedness, symbolization of immortality, have helped me in struggling with my own death anxiety. And Lifton continues, but that doesn't mean they can eliminate it. So true confessions, he says he has death anxiety. As survivors of sex abuse, many of us spent a lot of time with suicide ideation. Lifton calls it death anxiety and has connected in his non-fiction work studying brainwashing and cults and other groups that we often have a lot of death anxiety with the apocalypticism used in religion to get things done. That fear motivation. But I've been looking into how um, that stuff is projected on us in society as a norm, too. 
Imagining and thinking about death all the time is really unhealthy. Let's get that out of the way first. It's not romantic. It's not poetic. It's unhealthy. But how many artists, commercials, books, and films are literally about the topic of death in some manner, visualizing death? It's incredibly pervasive, and I say that as someone who has fully been submerged in consuming this type of material for some time. So this hits home for me personally. Example, after I left the cult in 1987-ish, one of my collections was Perry Mason novels. Yeah, not all of those were murder mysteries, but that was like the gateway for me into Chandler and other modern noir writers. And I also was into murder mystery shows in the documentary genre almost exclusively, fiercely seeking to understand how death happens and how others around us react. I didn't yet put together in my own mind how unhealthy this type of focus, constant focus on death is. It's fatalism. It's apocalypticism. But it's a death wish. Why apocalypticism matters, according to All You Want to Know But Didn't Think You Could Ask, authors De Vega Garqui, apocalypticism visions, quote, help make sense of an often seemingly senseless world in the face of confusion and annihilation. We need restitution and reassurance. Indeed, through time, apocalypticism has helped those who fear the world around them to be reassured that the chaos would soon end. This worldview allows the oppressed to look forward to their freedom and the religious to look forward to their ultimate reward. Apocalyptic worldviews depict a world in which current injustices are righted, allowing the human mind to find patterns in apparently senseless world events. Given these spiritual, political, and psychological beliefs, we are unlikely to have seen the end of apocalypticism. End quote from All You Wanted to Know But Didn't Think You Could Ask, a great book on religion. So this is what today's topic is about. I believe we need to take a moment to recognize that a focus on death is a death wish. Imagining it, saying how honorable it would be if certain things were the cause, focused on the best ways to die, those are all unhealthy types of constant thinking that many of us learned while in grim and dark situations early in our lives. It's super hard to let that thinking go, though. In Rastafarianism, they call it livity. Um, Bob Marley Music calls it livity. Now, I want to clarify, I'm not a promoter of any religion, nor is this show. But to make a point, livity is a cool word. It means focusing on life, simply living and focusing on life, not eating dead things is included in this. So vegetarianism, and when you look into it, there are some major health benefits in this. Focusing on death makes us subconsciously have a death wish. Trigger warning, suicide has been, for some people, a dream of escaping something so painful you see no way out of, and that may be your only way, but that is short-sighted. 
Most people do not need to die by their own hand. They need help before that becomes a thing. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com So what if you're in a fatalistic lifestyle from birth and youth, like a cult? How do we go about focusing on the life we have now, making something of it, instead of wishing for death? Making the world a better place definitely involves sticking around to be here to do it. One practical way I've been applying this thinking is reducing my intake of shows and media that put death right in my face. There's so many topics in the world, right? So why allow my thoughts to be flooded and completely obsessed with death? And wow, you decide this and you're going to find out there's a lot to cut out. (laughs) It's a bit much. Start with music. Okay, I love The Weeknd's voice. He's got a great voice. But if you examine any number of his lyrics over his career, this is Death Wish stuff. Really targeting on that teen angst for some dollars. A lot of young people are attracted to fatalistic music and film because of unhappy home lives. In capitalism, it all markets and plays upon that. I mean, a depressed person is a spendy person, right? Uh, So the recent album by The Weeknd is an entire premise of him in his last days of death, what appears to be a death he has scheduled, so it's less painful in the future, like lyrics about death and full obsession with loving, pain, sex, drugs, and killing are the topics. And he's by no means the first or original at this. No way. This is a long pop music tradition. Example, one of his song courses, I Would Die For You. Even though we're going through it and it makes you feel alone, just know I would die for you, baby. I would die for you. The distance and the time between us, it'll never change my mind. Baby, I would die for you. The band Nirvana, in my opinion, was practically a death cult of depression and grunge music, which ended in the suicide of lead singer Kurt Cobain, right in our face. Not pretty. But look at the popularity of that music, everyone who felt it. It certainly was not censored by local government. And Nirvana the band was hugely popular and did many television appearances via mainstream media. It's incredibly okay with society to push death. That's a weird and new discovery for me. I mean, yeah, just observing society critically can really open your eyes. I've been doing that for a while, especially since 2014. It's pretty ugly that capitalism is cool with people feeling shitty. In fact, depression sells everything. The girl has to feel too fat to get the diet pills, the new clothing to offset the angst, and the teen boy songs to make her want to be the one he wants to die for. The romanticization of death is all too comfortable in center stage through time with fictional stories such as Romeo and Juliet. And again, I feel the death stuff is super highly directed at teens because of teen angst. 
Parents should work to shield their kids from letting this stuff seep into their brains. It's also pervasive now, too. It can be a sexy soundbite and the young person surfs to a YouTube video and gets hooked. No one would even know what they're streaming in most cases. It's easy to hide. And rap can be this way, too. Yeah, some of it is incredibly cool sounding. The music is sweet. But how are you going to safeguard kids against something being pushed by capitalism, corporations, military recruitment, because, hey, death is heroism there, and the like? I'd say healthy ideas about death are an important emotional factor in having a good life. Those of us raised in sex and apocalyptic cults are here to let you know about that. It's overbearingly depressing. The idea of focusing on death all the time is unhealthy. But at what point do we say, hey, do you mind if I think about life and living? That's where I'm at. Choosing music that's not all tragedy, choosing topics of conversation about life, counting on that there is hope for life after whatever this is that's happening in the world right now. It is depressing. People want to get back to normal, but death is a massive fear fueling everything right now. Cult and religious recruitment is on tilt as people read into the end times, doctrines, and the like. It's rampant. It's in your face. The topic of death killing, killing yourself is totally normal in a ton of music, which is quite popular in film, TV, social media etc. Kids eat it up. Parents, too. It's approved. When we think of death obsessed, maybe we think of a goth teenager in their room, but the fact is that advertisements, conversations, music in elevators, and click ads in our own emails are pushing this incredibly fatalistic resting vibe. It's a bit much. Capitalism is out of control, and that fear is selling everything. What can we do to push life? In the daily activity, spending time constructively for the future. Yes, we have future. We do. And do not let all the subconscious crap sell you otherwise. We're here. We're alive. We're able to keep living. And COVID didn't kill those of us who are still standing. Is the fatalism going to finish the job? The fact is, suicide is way up. People are depressed and the oppression is everywhere you look. But I urge you to keep the positivity in the power of good. Apocalypticism as a way of seeing the world according to all you want to know but didn't think you could ask. Um, Religions, cults, and popular beliefs by authors De Vega and Garqui. They're uh, they're religious studies teachers. Ancient apocalypticism as a way of seeing the world grew out of political climate of Greek and Roman empires. Both empires were oppressive towards non-dominant religions like Judaism under the Greeks or Judaism and Christianity under the Romans. They demanded obedience in the empire and the renunciation 
of monotheistic beliefs and practices. Imperial armies and puppet kings often interfered with the functioning of the Temple of Jerusalem, defiling it with pagan sacrifices. Under Under such despotic rule, the oppressed began to question whether God had abandoned them, even though they had been faithful. The genre of apocalypse literature is response to this oppression and the theological questions it raises. Broadly, apocalyptic literature is, one, cosmic in scope, meaning it sees current oppressors as a part of a larger universal battle for ultimate authority. Two, dualistic, meaning it divides all people and powers into two camps, good or evil, as well as participating in dualistic judgment to internal life or damnation. Three, eschatological or concerned with the end of this age. Four, allegorical or symbolic with images or words standing in for other ideas, people, or things. And five, revealed usually by a divine agent, angel, or messianic figure. By creating a style of literature that uses veiled images and coded symbolic language, apocalyptic authors were able to speak about the coming end of oppression and inbreaking reign of God without fear by reigning governments. In this way, they were able to manage their situations as oppressed peoples, believing the world would soon come to an I still believe enough of us are paying attention and can spread a kind word, spread good vibes, and teach by example that dog-eat-dog isn't the way humanity wins. Love and care is. Spread love however you can, and in doing so, that kind word you have for someone, that respect and treating them like a fellow human, That may just save someone's life that day. Give it a try. Thanks for listening to Frankie Files podcast. See you next time and keep critical thinking. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com